This is Risky Women Radio, a show to connect, celebrate and champion women in risk, regulation and compliance, sharing insight and perspective from the most influential members of our global Risky Women Network on the latest developments we need to think about, the challenges we should all talk more about and the innovation we are most excited about in governance, risk and compliance. Bringing together the hundreds of senior women professionals already connected with a new emerging group of leading women and men. I'm Kimberly Cole, your Chief Risky Woman. Welcome to Risky Women Radio. Today's Risky Woman is Angelina Kwan, one of our founding Risky Women and instrumental in connecting so many of our fabulous Risky Women. We're thrilled to have Angelina join us today. In brief, Angelina is a certified public accountant and has over 27 years of experience. She's worked in the US as well as in Asia. She's held senior management positions with the Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong and several international financial service firms. In addition, she has held a number of committee and board positions in various governmental, commercial and non-profit organizations in Asia. Today, we talk about the future of compliance. Firstly though, Angelina, welcome. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? I am great today. Thank you for coming over and thank you for inviting me. No, pleasure to be here at the Hong Kong Exchange. So just to set the scene, can you um, share some more details of your career journey to date uh, before we move on to look at the future? Sure. I'll just try to give you a thumbnail sketch because, of course, 27 years is hard to encapsulate. But basically, I I started out in the United States and worked uh, uh, with uh, KPMG and then went into banking and decided to make a complete change um, against my parents' wishes uh, and moved to Hong Kong. But that was the best move I have ever made. So um, in Hong Kong, I worked for uh, a number of investment banks and I found that I really liked compliance, um, which some people would probably think I'm insane, but I really liked the, the function of compliance. So I started the compliance officers group um, uh, we got almost 250 to 300 compliance officers before I moved into the SFC. Worked with the SFC for eight years, then moved back out into investment banking. Um, and then I took another interesting detour after four years to actually clean up a third stage to listed bankrupt firm, which I relisted in 11 months and one day. And it's now doing really well. And then finally, uh, moved into investment banking again, and now with the Hong Kong exchanges and clearing. Each time setting up a department, um, each time either cleaning up or uh, growing departments. So that's been my career journey to date, and I'm currently um, transitioning now, and we'll talk about that in a second. Fantastic. Um, Lots of varied and interesting, I guess, projects and turnarounds along the way. Um, interesting uh, for our risky women here. In your role as the Securities and Futures Commission, um, you were Director of Supervision of the Markets, which you did for seven years, and then you were also the Director of Enforcement. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit more about that and what were the biggest sort of challenges, what were the opportunities um, in that role? When I first joined the SFC, um, I went into enforcement and I was one of the it's the only senior woman actually taking the place of another woman that had left. And it was very interesting because it was a very different place um, and many of the people had been there from the old um, organizations. So it was getting to know their culture 
and how to actually do enforcement, how to take cases forward. So that was a huge challenge uh, in terms of learning how uh, cases are actually investigated and taken forward, how to interview people, how to, how to work with the team members to achieve good results. Um, I was then moved into supervision of markets, and there um, a whole new world opened up because basically we look at the markets. So I was able to um, draft uh, 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 the automated trading services guidelines, for example, um, which sets the scenes for all the uh, exchanges that, that operate in Hong Kong as well as the automated trading services that operate in Hong Kong. Um, at that time, the link REIT had some problems, um, and the, sh uh, the share registrars lost some of the share certificates, so I got to write the legislation and uh, regulation for share registrars. So are they challenges? Um, yes, they're interesting challenges because they stretch you and you get to learn new businesses mm. and new areas. Um, I put in third-party clearing, for example, uh, which is now used even today. Um, so. Uh, brokers can actually use a, a separate clearer so that they don't have to keep um, as many staff and they can use third-party clearing for an option. So the SFC is a great career um, to actually move into from a compliance career and I would recommend that all compliance people at least take a stint in the regulator to understand where they're coming from. So it, that's a great uh, learning place. So now you're at the Hong Kong Exchange, it might be useful, we've got quite a, an international audience, mm -hmm. maybe to sort of set the scene, you're, you're heading up the regulatory compliance function, mm -hmm. moving into a new venture which we can move on to, mm -hmm. but maybe talk a little about the role of the Hong Kong Exchange and maybe in the context of also, you know, the SFC and the HKMA and how, the, how all the bodies work together in Hong Kong. So um, actually, it's funny, when I moved into the SFC, it was in 1999, round about the time of um, uh, year 2000, and also right after the Soros slash market intervention um, issues that came from that in 1997. So, um, and now working for the exchange, it's, it's just very interesting to see the stuff that I used to work on um, actually um, be a part of what I do now. So basically we have the main regulators in Hong Kong are um, uh, the SFC for securities firms, funds, um, margin financing brokers. Uh, on the other side you've got the HKMA uh, which actually looks after banks. Then you have the insurance authority which is just the new kid on the block. They are the new uh, regulator for insurance companies, uh, insurance plans, insurance brokers. Uh, then you have the mandatory provident fund um, which basically looks at the authority that looks at, at mandatory provident funds or retirement funds. So you've got four main regulators and they directly or indirectly report to um, the government of Hong Kong through the Financial Services Bureau. Um, and so these regulators, whilst um, they, they work together, um, they regulate different areas. So the Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing um, was the first exchange to actually demutualize and merge. So it's the amalgamation of two exchanges and three clearinghouses. At that time, it was three clearinghouses. We now have four clearinghouses. So in, in 2000, as a part of the plan, the 30-point plan that was after the 1997 crisis, they merged and demutualized, and then they're now listed, of course, on itself, on mm. the Stock Exchange of Hong Kong. So our main regulator is um, the, the SFC, 
and the supervision and markets division looks after our um, regulated businesses and the listing function is the frontline regulator of uh, listed companies but it's also regulated by the corporate finance division of the SFC. So that's basically how all the regulators work. And then HKMA doesn't directly regulate us, but the banks that we use as our, our clearing banks are regulated by the HKMA. Um, the SFC regulates the brokers that trade on our um, platform. So in order to be able to be a exchange participant of the exchange, you have to have a type one or a type two license, uh, dealing in securities and dealing in futures license. And we have to see that before we let you in as an exchange participant. So that's how the SFC has bearing over us. We've had a lot of changes, of course, seen with our listing rules. So that had, um, had to be worked out between our listing division, which is a separate listing authority that's Chinese walled off by the rest of the exchange. Um, and they work very closely with the SFC. So. Um, whilst they are the frontline regulator of listed companies, they are also regulated by the SFC. So does that give you a good Yeah, that's great. I think it's interesting for our audience to understand that sort of ecosystem and, and yeah. how everything fits together. Now, you're moving into a new role yes. at, uh, at the exchange. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little about that. So I was hired here to set up the regulatory compliance department um, in 2015, and um, I've done so. We grew grew it from zero to 14, and um, it's a fully functioning compliance department that basically um, covers all of the businesses and helps with compliance advisory work and compliance monitoring. I had an opportunity um, recently to uh, move into a new area. So I'll be setting up the new foundation that we're going to be setting up for the exchange, the details to be announced um, later. Um, also looking at different areas that, um, that the board wants me to look into also. So probably helping in uh, ESG or environmental, social and governance areas. And then finally, uh, whatever else they want me to do. But it'll be interesting. Uh, one of the parts of the thing that we've just um, announced also is the new museum. So that'll be a part of the financial literacy and and, uh, investor education that will be interesting for me. So these are all things that I find interesting. So I'm sort of looking forward to changing over. Um, So I've set up the compliance department. Now I can go do something different. Sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. Sounds like lots of good lots of good strands there from ESG financial literacy and obviously you wear many hats so I think it's a it's a good area for us to talk about given your role as the um, board vice chair of the Women's Foundation here in Hong Kong. Um, Let's talk a little bit about gender diversity on boards it's a really hot topic uh, across the globe. How's the Hong Kong Exchange tackling that challenge? Um, we actually just came out. Now, I can't speak for the listing division I because I'm not a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just telling you what is actually in the newspaper. So let me caveat that. Sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> but what the exchange has done is it's actually gone out to consult. And currently there's a comply or exchange, uh, comply or explain um, rule in place. The point that was consulted on is to change it to an actual rule to have a gender diverse or a diversity policy in place. Um, Is that enough? Um, If you compare us to other markets where, for example, Australia announced today that they're actually consulting on 
board diversity um, and putting in diversity targets in place. Um, so that was just announced today um, by ASX. There are things that we could probably do more of in Hong Kong. So I can't criticize my own department, but I can say that there's a lot more that we can possibly do. The issue that is felt is there's no remit for a particular area to be specifically singled out. And that's where we would say, well, diversity actually helps better governance. And um, that's an area that I think um, all of us are pushing for um, our colleagues in the listing department to look more at. Mm -hmm. But at least I think right now we're going to move towards a rule for to have a diversity policy. So it's no longer comply or explain. It's, a, it's one notch more. It's a rule. Well, that'll be good if that's, uh, yeah, I, I saw that um, paper, uh, uh, consultation paper. So I think there was a there was a fairly good level of response. Yes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the results are. Yes. So um, when the previous listing chair um, came into play, which was Teresa Ko, she actually put in a lot of these um, areas. And I think we can definitely move forward. And I think our current listing head wants to do that also. Our listing chair wants to do that also. So hopefully. hopefully. So back to your role in compliance. And you, you mentioned that it had grown really quite rapidly. And that's a trend we're sort of seeing across organizations. So over the last few years, what, what, what's it been like, you know, developing the team? What are those skills that are needed of the individuals and of the function? I think when I hire people, the skills that I'm looking for are people that work as a team. So teamwork is number one. I also need people that are very resourceful. So when you, if you were going into an investment bank and being a compliance officer for an investment bank, it's very set exactly what you're going to do. So if you're working for big investment bank or small investment bank, it's the same functions. You have a trading, you have a fixed income, you have derivatives, you have um, corporate finance, you have all of these different areas. So if you move from firm to firm to firm, it's quite similar. But when you move to exchange and you're actually working with a platform and trying to think of what does the platform or what do the different functions with the exchange, how do they comply with the requirements that are not very detailed by the SFC. Um, how do you make sure that we comply and how do we advise our people that we should be complying? So to be resourceful, you need the skill to read into what are the rules. You need to understand where um, our regulator is coming from. You need to work with the business to actually train them because it's an area, compliance is an area that although you would think, gee, it's really natural, well, it's not a function that actually has been in place until 2015. So um, resourcefulness, teamwork, and work hard but work smart, um, and work with the businesses. Uh, those are some of the skills that we've looked at. We've hired from outside, um, so half of my team um, are lawyers. Uh, the other half of our team are accountants or people. They're all seasoned from the large investment banks. So they've all worked in as an exchange participant, but then they've had to learn how an exchange works. So it's a very unique opportunity to see how the platform works. Interesting, and we'll sort of start to look at what you think that means then for the future, mm -hmm. given you know the disruption and stuff that we're seeing in the market. So 
just more broadly speaking, um, do you think sort of whether it's in an investment bank or in the exchange or other areas of the industry, um, given some of the financial crisis that we've seen, etc., do you think the compliance functions have enough influence? And I guess what is the ideal scenario and where are those sort of pitfalls for how compliance interacts with the business? I think compliance really needs to build with business and work with business. Um, And the days going by where compliance says, well, you can't do that. It's you have to figure out how the business can do that in a legal manner. And only when, legal or regulatory manner, and only when you really can't figure out then you need to tell the business that, look, maybe we need to structure it slightly differently. So the days that compliance officers just say, sorry, I can't help you, that's not going to work anymore for big investment banks, for little investment banks, for even the exchange. So compliance basically has to be able to work with the business, work with regulators. We've seen massive fines, and you're seeing... um, um, the enforcement department come up with troubled fines now. The CSRC actually has come up with a billion dollar fine against um, traders that, that manipulated the market in China on Stock Connect. So if you're affected or if you're like the compliance officer of that bank, you can kiss your, your, your um, career goodbye. So it's important that you uh, work with your businesses so that they understand the rules and they understand the impact. It's also um, important that um, they really walk the talk and get the tone at the top um, right because the regulators will hold people responsible now. And now we have a new manager in charge um, regime. Basically, it comes down to compliance officers, people that are actually making the decisions are on the line. Now to date we haven't had any cases against the compliance officer, but it's just a matter of time um, because they are registered now under the MIC regime, manager in charge regime. So compliance officers have to go an extra mile to be resourceful and helpful, but yet being a resource to make sure that the company complies with rules and regulations. And sort of given that future view, so yep, manager in charge regime, but also technology uh, impacting everything, all industries, but certainly also um, you know regulation and compliance. What are the sort of skill sets that you're you know imagining for the future um, that will be important, and and how are you sort of preparing for that now within the exchange? One of the things that hits the exchange and should hit a lot of investment banks is all the speed in which regulation changes. So putting in a plug for your product, um, we use your uh, Reuters intelligence to keep ahead with all the rule changes, with the thoughts coming from um, regulators. So Europe has just um, come through with the largest piece of legislation and we had to get our equivalences for Hong Kong, so we did all the applications for that. Um, And keeping abreast of how it might impact our businesses is going to be really important. So if I were a compliance officer in a large investment bank, um, I would have to keep track of how MIFID is going to affect my businesses, and especially if I have um, uh, offices in in Europe, definitely affect. 
The compliance officer now needs to not only be aware of the local regime, but also international regimes that have a touch um, in Asia. So with FATCA, that was the first um, step. Second step was the OECD CRS rules. So this is all having to do with um, tax and making sure of reporting. And now with MIFID, that really oversteps the boundary. Then we have financial benchmarks. So if you don't have, if you don't use approved benchmarks that are recognized in Europe, that's another issue because then you won't be able to buy the product if you're a European counterparty. So it's just staying ahead of all of this and understanding how it affects your business. Tech, yes. surveillance. Regulators haven't out and out said that you have to use X system, but you have to have a system where you're making sure that you're not market manipulating. So having compliance officers now need to actually understand uh, market surveillance and come up with ways to make sure that their people have been um, watching over their trading so they're not manipulating the markets. So um, being tech savvy, um, understanding and being open to systems um, is important. Um, also understanding what is the lay of the land in terms of being open to change. And that's, that's something that a compliance officer now has to be ready for because the only constant is change. Very true, very true. And I think that's you know, across all of business at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what, you know, so we talk a little bit there about technology and, and people needing to be tech savvy now in the compliance role as in many other roles. On the sort of reg tech theme, what, what are, the, are the technologies that you're seeing that are particularly interesting or um, you, that you think will change the landscape in terms of how things are done in the compliance and, and regulatory space? Over the course of the next few years, you're seeing every exchange move towards upgrading their systems. So you're going to see increased connectivity between exchanges and clearing houses. Um, the exchange here has already announced the next gen, um, which is our next gen clearing. So we'll introduce a whole raft of new functions that'll make um, the customer experience simpler for people to get and understand and monitor their positions uh, within the exchange. So every exchange is doing this, not just us. So Australia, for example, has, has, has approved um, Digital Asset Holdings' blockchain clearinghouse for, to replace chess. So RegTech is here to stay. So it's understanding how these changes will affect the business that you're in. Compliance needs to have a say or a seat at the table as companies, if you're in an investment bank and you're connected to these, then you're going to have to change your connectivity and you need to know how to comply. On the same side, um, surveillance um, is going to be more and more looked at as there are more trades, more volume. Um, the throughput that's being put through now with Chinese trades coming through, European trades coming through, the throughput is, is a lot greater now. So. Um, We've been doing a lot more surveillance in our markets, um, and we're going to expect that um, our 
exchange participants are also doing um, and using um, technology so We're artificial intelligence yep. and We're putting that in place I mean it's interesting all the different applications of things like blockchain that you mentioned in Australia and, and artificial intelligence every exchange is now studying it, how it's going to affect um, the exchange operations and if it exchange if it affects our exchange operations it's going to affect how investment banks connect in and it'll be interesting because even small investment banks or small brokers will also be affected because they use systems that connect in. So if their systems, their system provider doesn't upgrade, then they're not going. They're going to be obsolete, and the the the, the broker or the investment bank will have to change providers. So if you don't keep up with the change and the pace of change, and compliance officers need to understand this too because they're going to be interfacing with the regulator. They're the ones that have to tell the regulator that my brokerage has changed systems. So if you're not on top of it, um, you, you're just going to be left behind. So given all of the different, the, the pace of change, the speed of regulatory uh, changes that we're seeing in the market, if you were going to invest in technology to improve how things are done, where would you most like to see some faster development or improved investment? KYC, um, if there were ways that um, we can open accounts faster, do the checks better, uh, spend less time doing the checks. Um, and now with the added dimension of China and so many um, Chinese companies coming out, opening accounts everywhere, um, individuals opening accounts, it would be great to have uh, more investment in KYC because all firms have to have that in place. That's, that's going to be a constant. Um, changes in systems. Um, that's going to be another big investment for all investment banks um, because they're going to have to, as the exchanges change their system, well, the investment banks will have to um, actually change with it. Um, in Hong Kong, we hope to roll out additional Connect programs. So we're looking at different areas. Now, that didn't cause a lot of grief for our brokers, and in fact, our brokers loved it because they get to trade more products. They can trade northbound and southbound. So we can see that hopefully more uh, Connect programs will be approved and there'll be more product approval or products available for our participants to actually trade. So what other areas would I invest in? Um, if I were a compliance person in an investment bank, I want to keep track of all the changes to make sure that my operations are not out of compliance. So making sure that I have the most fresh and hot information that's changeable. So if I could ask your company, for example, they have something that would be malleable, that would be bespoke for my firm, information that might affect my firm, that would be great. Because right now we have to get a law firms to do that. But if it, through AI, we could select criterion to pick information coming out from regulators, um, from, from uh, governments and so on and so forth of areas, that would be an area that would be worth quite a bit to actually invest in because we're spending it already um, in, in terms of legal services or in terms of time of just trawling websites so that would be a good area to um, yeah definitely uh, and I mean even the way that maybe the you know the data is ingested how it's 
presented, yep. all of those things I think are interesting areas. Yep. Um, and as you said, I think the investment uh, uh, sometimes in the compliance areas is probably not top of the agenda compared to other no. things that are done within firms. So, it's But a, also it would be important for the firm because the firm could actually use it in other areas. So if you were able to say, look, I have operations in Europe um, and Asia, um, I need to know what other regulations or what things would affect brokers of this size and I offer these products. Well, it's not just the compliance department needs to know this. It's also the business people need to know this. Um, it's research analysts that are studying this. So this data can be used um, by different entities within a firm. So it's an area that I think if we can get this bespoke information through AI, it would be uh, definitely interesting for companies. Yep, fascinating area, all of the, uh, the developments that we're seeing. Connecting, celebrating and championing women in risk regulation and compliance, Risky Women Radio takes an intimate look at the rants and revelations of the top women shaping the debate and the industry. So let's change um, change tack a little bit here. Um, I think you've already given some good advice, but we'll move on to our, our Risky Women rants and revelations. We're trying to give some... Uh, mentorship and some guidance mm-hmm. to um, the up and coming, but also just how we'd like to change the world. Mm-hmm. So what one thing do you wish that you knew, that you know now, that you wish you knew then? That you, so that advice that you would give to your younger self? Don't try to save the world in everything. Pick your fights. Um, I now have a very flat head because I've hit my head against so many walls. So I think... Um, pick your fights and make sure you win the fights you pick. Um, you can, f- you can't fix everything, but you can fix the key things, and that's something um, that I would definitely tell my younger self. Um, the other area is be true to yourself, and that's something that I've always followed. Um, I really like compliance, and people thought I was insane, um, and I followed what I like to do, and it turned into a career. And there was nothing really planned in my career. Um, So the third piece of advice I would give is you never know what you're going to get. And if you plan everything, you will find that nothing actually works out the way that you actually think it will. So don't be scared to take chances. So everything I've done from moving to Hong Kong has been a chance, and it's been definitely an adventure so I don't regret anything I've done except possibly to pick my fights a little more carefully um, and uh, to have less of a flat head (laughs) excellent now what one thing which this is a challenge for everyone Uh what one thing do you wish you could change now and why what can I change one thing I can change I wish I wish that there would be a better understanding between regulators and business people and there could be some meetings of minds where regulators could be more business-like and and business people could be more regulator-like. So if we didn't have regulators, um, but no, if business was perfect, we wouldn't need regulators. If we, I mean, basically, if the world was perfect, then we wouldn't have to have the function of compliance. So then we can all do something else. (laughs) Um, But I wish 
that we could change just that people do things in a more ethical and compliant manner because it's just good business. And if I could really ask for one more thing, um, that we can get equal gender diversity um, in everything we do. Um, because half the world is held by women and half the world is held by men, so why can't both sides be equal? Fantastic. Risky Women is a vibrant network at the centre of a global community in a rapidly growing, evolving and influential industry. Given the continued pace of change, our Rapid Fire Round revisits the most pressing topics to share ideas and offer listeners new perspectives. Okay, now we're on to our Rapid Fire Round. Okay, so on. this is just uh, a few quick questions okay. to, to finish off. Pretty easy ones for you. Okay, one word to sum up the world of governance, risk and compliance. Change. The top risk for 2018. One word. Um, the next downturn, or downturn. Okay. Cure for the cost of compliance? Attention. Biggest technology impact on compliance and risk? AI artificial intelligence and your outlook for the year ahead are you optimistic pessimistic uncertain I'm always optimistic but it's time for another downturn it has been nine years so it's very volatile right now so um, you heard it here first on risky woman <laughs> excellent well thank you very much Angelina Kwan it's been a pleasure talking to you on Risky Women Radio thank you, Kimberly this is very fun and uh, I love Risky Women and I am so happy to be a part of it thank you very much thank you for listening to this exciting episode of Risky Women Radio to connect champion and celebrate women in risk regulation and compliance I'm Kimberly Cole based in Hong Kong for more information on the Risky Women Global Network, head to our website in the episode notes and please be a part of the ongoing conversation by subscribing to this podcast, connecting with us at Risky Women on Twitter, or even reaching out to me directly by email. 